Hi, everyone. I just wanted to make a few uh, comments uh, in a short video, hopefully a short video, that addresses the damaging floods that uh, are taking place in British Columbia and that are making international headlines. As the CBC put it, extreme rain swamped rivers and farmland across southern BC and triggered mudslides that blocked every major highway connecting the lower mainland to the rest of the country. Nearly 20,000 people have been forced to abandon their homes and thousands of animals have died. It was understood almost immediately what the cause of this disaster was. As the executive director of Clean Energy Canada put it, there's really no greater evidence of climate change right now than here in British Columbia. The conclusion reached by Clean Energy Canada should really come as no surprise to anyone who's been keeping up with the findings of climatologists over the past few years. As per a BBC report from this past August, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or the IPCC, released their first major review of the science of climate change since 2013. Their review predicted that at the rate that things are going, global temperatures are expected to rise by 1.5 Celsius by 2034. As the BBC puts it, the consequences of going past 1.5 Celsius over a period of years would be unwelcome in a world that has already experienced a rapid uptick in extreme events with a temperature rise of 1.1 Celsius since pre-industrial times. They go on to quote one of the authors of the report who stated that as a result of the predicted rise in temperature, we will see an even more intense and more frequent uh, heat waves. And we will also see an increase in heavy rainfall events on a global scale, and also increases in some types of droughts in some regions of the world. Well, roughly three months later, we're seeing a devastating example of this prediction right in front of our eyes in BC. What's more, the IPCC report noted that it is unequivocal that human influence has warmed the atmosphere, oceans, and lands. As the UN chief put it, the report is a code red for humanity. Nevertheless, the BBC article remains optimistic, stating that a catastrophe can be avoided if the world acts fast. Unfortunately, the recent UN conference, COP26, the 2021 Climate Change Conference, demonstrated a reluctance on the part of government officials to act fast. We got a lot of platitudes, but certainly nothing in the way of serious change from the more extreme offenders. This was made glaringly apparent when Abby Martin of Empire Files uh, confronted Nancy Pelosi over the fact and here I'm sort of loosely quoting that Pelosi, uh, Nancy Pelosi had just presided over a large increase in the Pentagon budget, whose budget was already massive before the increase. Martin noted that the Pentagon is a larger polluter than 140 countries combined. So she said, how can we talk about preventing an ecological catastrophe if there's a bipartisan consensus to constantly expand this large contributor to, to climate change? Now, the reasonable response to that question would be yes. If you are serious about acting fast to reduce the harmful effects of climate change, then you can only oppose a massive increase in budget to an institution that is so large a contributor to global pollution that it pollutes more than 140 countries combined. So was this the response that she received? Of course not. They responded by saying that they simply could not see an inconsistency in their view of being both in favor of thwarting climate change and giving more money to a major contributor to climate change. Of course, they didn't put it in quite those terms, but that's essentially what they said, and you can go check out the video to see. 
They also noted, in fact, Pelosi herself noted, that the military is going to be crucial in the issue of climate change. She stated outright that the climate crisis will be a national security matter because climate change has been responsible for a lot of environmental migration. Now, on this, she's actually quite correct. The UN Refugee Agency recently noted, and here I'm quoting directly, hazards resulting from the increasing intensity and frequency of extreme weather events, such as abnormally heavy rainfall, prolonged droughts, desertification, environmental degradation, or sea level rise and cyclones, are already causing an average of more than 20 million people to leave their homes and move to other areas in their countries each year, 20 million a year. Indeed, this is precisely what's happening right now in BC as nearly 20,000 people have been forced to abandon their homes. Now, the refugee agency also goes on to point out that some people are forced to cross borders in the context of climate change and disasters and may in some circumstances be in need of international protection. So what Pelosi is saying, and I will say she did mention the possibility of the military looking into using alternative fuels with their bloated budget, but she's essentially saying that no, we're not really going to take the serious steps to put an end to major uh, to put an end to a major contributor to climate change, uh, because a result of our lack of serious dedication to the issue will mean that eventually many people are going to need to enter our country in order to survive. So we will need to make sure that we have a powerful military who can prevent those people from taking resources that we will need to survive. This is the future that's being imagined on the liberal end of the spectrum, right? This should terrify anyone who remotely cares about the lives of future generations, as the masters in charge are now essentially suggesting that the future will consist of a bloody battle over dwindling resources. Um, these criticisms should be uh, also applied to Canada's own masters. So in Canadian Dimension, uh, author Paris Marx wrote, that despite coming into power in 2015 with a promise to eliminate fossil fuel subsidies, the Trudeau Liberals did no such thing. In fact, government support for the industry surged during the pandemic, with Canada's per capita fossil fuel subsidies being the highest of any G20 country other than China. As part of that industry support, the government nationalized the Trans Mountain Pipeline in 2018 to ensure that it gets built so Alberta can keep exporting some of the dirtiest oil in the world. The cost of that project has since soared to at least $12.6 billion. The government is not on track to meet its 2030 climate targets, and Canadians remain among the highest per capita emitters in the world, notably higher than European countries and far above China. It hasn't taken on the oil industry, isn't addressing the sales of large trucks and SUVs that are increasing transport emissions, and is relying overwhelmingly on market-oriented measures that seek to use price signals to nudge companies and individuals to make greener choices. That's all a quote from Canadian Dimension. Now, all of this serves to reinforce what Noam Chomsky observed recently about COP26, the conference, the UN Conference on Climate Change. He said the following, the only way anything is going to change, the only chance for humanity, is for massive, organized, popular action and opposition. The important part of COP26 was not what was going on indoors, he said, but what was happening in the streets. He says that's the hope for humanity. And unless many more people become involved and more deeply engaged, that hope may vanish. So to reiterate in what I've said in all of the political videos that I have done so far, if you want to avoid the disasters of climate change, you're not gonna do it by 
relying on the masters of society to do it for you. You're not going to do it by voting with your heart while the rest of the public is unorganized and not mobilized. And you're not going to do it with a well-meaning tweet or an Instagram post or a YouTube video like this one. It can only happen via massive organized popular action and opposition. And that means organizing beyond your bubble. And here's a potential way to enter into that discussion. A lot of people on the right, the extreme right, the right, uh, oppose liberals. And one of their arguments appears to be that liberals are using, establishment liberals, people in power, are using climate change science in order to enact laws that will deprive ordinary people of their rights. But of course, I just ran down a record that demonstrates quite profoundly, in my view, that the liberal establishment is simply beholden to the interests of big business and powerful institutions. And however much in their hearts they may want to stop climate change, they'll never really be serious about it because that desire is superseded by their desire to be a bulwark for big business, industry, and power. So if you're opposed to what the liberals are doing, that is what you're opposing. And in a sense, yeah, if their ties to these institutions means that they will refuse to make the serious changes that are required to prevent ecological disaster, then yeah, they don't really care about ordinary people and their rights. So we may be a bit fuzzy on the details, but maybe we're on more of each other's side than we think. Those are my thoughts. Thank you.